Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We have a whole squad that can really hoop and get the job done. We got our way to win. It's simple, simple, simple for us. The first team ever in the 74-year history of the NBA to come back from being down 3-1 twice in the same playoffs. Nuggets down one into Murray. Here we go. Ten seconds. Murray to Jokic. Jokic. What's up, everybody? It's your hosts, Jenna Garcia and Riley Biller here with the Chicken Nuggets podcast. Your favorite show every week. You get coverage like none other in the Chicken Nuggets. No other podcast is quite like us, to be honest. No other podcast is talking about best butts in the NBA, I can tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Although that might not be our best topic that we've touched on throughout the conversation. We do talk a lot of basketball and interestingly enough, today we have our own very own uh, special agent behind the scenes uh, at the Charlotte Hornets game tonight. Uh, the Nuggets end up pulling out this win against Charlotte, although the Hornets put up a really good fight, Riley. I got to say, we'll, we'll go over tonight's win. We'll talk about the last couple of games in this season and how the Nuggets have been playing and how they'll head into their last few games before the playoffs or before the postseason. But Riley, you are newly working with directly with the Charlotte Hornets. Tell us about your new position and what was that like today to get to see Nikola Jokic um, and Mont- Monte Morris, you know, and your favorite um, black coach Hanchar play up close and personal. <laughs> uh, it was, it was super cool. Um, covering the nuggets all this time with you and stiffs. Um, since it was during the pandemic, I never got to see him actually in person. And so it was super dope to be able to see Nicola and see how massive of a human being he is. And honestly, how, how big uh, Michael Porter Jr. is. He's um, even taller than I expected. Um, it was just super cool. And it was super cool to see them play the Hornets and yeah, so basically I'm working with the Hornets sports management team. And um, basically what I do um, is anything to do with the venue, anything to do setting up, um, anything with fans, anything. I've got to be in the broadcast booth a little bit to kind of watch them and all that fun stuff and – it was a good, it was a good job to take, to get my foot in the door. Yes. And also I get a front row view of all the games. And so it's been a super cool experience and um, just kind of learning and meeting people. And I've gotten to meet all kinds of people already, like Roy Williams, which was the best thing ever. And uh, Michael Jordan's brother, James, and come friends with Gerald Henderson and, 
tonight met Matambo and Alex English, who I met before at USC. And uh, it's just been super cool. Super cool. Um, I love it. I love working for the Hornets. And it was tonight was just a bonus to see my two two of my favorites in the league square off. So I, I just say it's my team in the West and my team in the East. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, um, it looks amazing. It looks, uh, I mean, the picture with you and Roy, that was pretty cool. I knew how excited you had to be uh, in particular, just because I know what a big fan you are, but you know, you had Matumbo three, three Denver nugget greats in the house tonight. Matumbo, um, Alex English and David Thompson, who was also there. I know you said you didn't see him, but he was on the broadcast for the Hornets tonight. The Hornets broadcast, I watched it. Your um, sideline girl, she actually knows her shit. She's really good. She did actually, yeah. I really enjoyed. Yeah, I love that girl. Actually, she's um, she really does know her stuff, and I respect her. And that's someone that I've been watching, been able to, to talk to um, a good bit. So she's. She really knows her stuff, and I I really love Gerald, even though he's a dookie. Like, I've built this great friendship with him. And, um, yeah, the, the Hornets broadcast, I'm not even being biased because, to be honest, I didn't really care about the Hornets until I started uh, working for them. Sorry, Hornets. I hope you're not listening. <laughs> um, but their broadcast is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know I like eight on broadcast. You know I always come in here and I'm like, oh Lord, let me tell you what they said over there in Oklahoma. Goodness and stuff. But no, I thought the Charlotte broadcast was actually really good. Um, I struggled to get a good feed tonight, man. I could for the first really? entire quarter, I couldn't find couldn't find a place where I could watch my Denver Nuggets. So um, finally found the Charlotte broadcast and I enjoyed it myself. And man, this kid you guys have. Uh, Devonte Graham, shoot, he can play. He like came in that fourth quarter, and he's coming off of what looks like like four or five games out, mm-hmm. four games out, and he like really brought it fourth quarter. I was kind of impressed with him, honestly. Yeah, he um he's been out, and up to that point, he was playing really well, and so I didn't think he was going to be playing tonight because it was um. It was still questionable right before the game. And I didn't see him out there um, a few hours before the game with the rest of the team. So I, I really wasn't sure if he was going to play. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's a great a great pickup. He went super late in the draft out of Kansas because he was a four-year guy. And um, apparently teams don't like that. But he was a winner in Kansas, and he showed tonight that he has – toughness and the will to win again so I really I really do like that kid um he showed a lot for the Hornets young core yeah for real and I mean the Nuggets again kind of have one of these games where they come out okay and um and then kind of lose it in the in either the second and third or the third and the fourth quarter and let got let teams come back I genuinely thought there was a chance that Charlotte walk away with the win tonight and I was concerned but the Nuggets continue to have these games where they 
you come out really strong. And you know why I know that, Riley? Because I am betting on the quarters, quarter by quarter. I love it, in-game betting. You got to check it out. Check out uh, denversportsbetting.com. My guy, Anilo Piro, is running this awesome special right now, actually at View House. Um, all three days, there's a, a one of Vegas, Las Vegas's uh, sports book out here in Denver. So pretty cool. I know you wish you could bet every night, Rye, but you can't. Actually, I'm pretty sure you can bet in North Carolina, but I could be wrong. But when I signed my contract with the Hornets, it says I'm not allowed to bet on NBA games. Oh, shoot. Well, we'll have to get you into tennis and um, <laughs> NASCAR and other things so that you stick, stay away from the, the NBA. But uh, the Nuggets – almost always win the first quarter almost always consistently throughout this season and especially in this last chunk um this last like 10 or so games they almost always win the first quarter uh they've only dropped two in the last two four six eight ten games so they've only dropped two first quarters so they come out strong but then either they lose it in the second or they and they lose it in the third, or they lose it in the third and they lose it in the fourth. But they are really struggling to hold on to that um, extended lead, and it kind of reminds me of like the Nuggets a couple years ago, you know, when the um, Jamal hadn't taken taken the next step, and and they weren't able to just sustain their um, win or their their lead over a long period of the game. It was always kind of tight and close, and you could never really predict what was going to happen. Uh, that's changed now. You know, they have Nikola Jokic. You almost always know that he's going to close it out. Um, right. People were not a fan of you saying that that Jamal's the most clutch guy on the team last week. Everybody was like, it, it's Nikola, Riley. It's always been Nikola. Okay, here's my thing, though. When it mattered the most last year, it was Jamal in the bubble and that's that's kind of my position on it another side note i want to make is i was pleasantly surprised on how many denver nugget fans were at the game i would say a little less than half of the three thousand we had were nugget fans wow i mean i'm shocked i I was i kept seeing nugget jerseys everywhere and hats and so many things and I was like wow this is insanely awesome like how awesome is this like nuggets are making its way to Charlotte like and to me do I think all those people are from Colorado no I think that they built a fan base like an actual fan base kind of like other teams like Miami or the Celtics or the Lakers like now they're good. So now they're gaining fans in states that are not Colorado. And I think that's super dope. And that's something that Nuggets Nation should really be proud of because that was cool to see. Yeah. Which, just curious, which jersey did you see the most? I would say it was a tie between Jokic and Jamal. They really love Jamal. Everyone I talked to on my staff, like, talked about Jamal. They really love Jamal. Well, um, I will say your your broadcast crew said, I don't know which guy said it, but one of the two guys said, um, I love Jamal Murray, but when he comes back, I don't know if he's going to be the second best player on this team anymore. 
in speaking to, you know, Michael Porter Jr. and his kind of step up lately. Um, that being said, Rye, what did you think about Michael Porter Jr.? You got to see him close up. You got to see him kind of in action, you know. He was – it was beautiful to watch. <laughs> um, I ragged on him in the beginning of Denver Stiffs, but holy cow, when he's on the court, it's just he has this beautiful rhythm to the game of basketball. And on defense too? Huh, sometimes <laughs> when he decides to. But yeah. offensively, holy cow. Yeah. I see where they get the Kevin Durant comparison. He's so smooth. So smooth. It's yeah. unreal. When he shoots the ball, it's like heaven. It really is. Like, I remember just watching the game and like I was I was on the court and I was like, wow, it's like it's like <laughs> Adele singing that perfect note oh, God. in her songs. Let's it was just it was really beautiful. Let's not compare him to more amazing people who he already feels, you know, I think his head is pretty big. I think he knows he's pretty great. We'll get to his post-game um, comments in a little bit here because you'll be shocked to hear what he had to say, but it it goes very well with what you're kind of saying there. And um, But he, he has been really great over the last several games. You have to commend him for stepping up to the plate just in general um, since – uh, Jamal went down. It could have, I think, I think a lot of it does have to be credit to Mike Malone in regards to just like his, um, process with MPJ. The fact that he's, he did, uh, ask a lot of MPJ. I think it made him tougher and more prepared for this situation than maybe he would have been if he had, uh, been on a team that would, we're like, like the Hawks, right? Where like Trey Young got to play immediately out of the draft and, and they had that space because they weren't so deep of a team. The Nuggets were so deep for so have been so deep since MPJ has really started to be able to play that uh, it hasn't been just a surefire thing that he's going to be in the starting lineup. And then it was kind of like a, ooh, it's pretty obvious he should be in the starting lineup kind of thing. And uh, but Mike Malone really holds to holds him to like earning his place. And I, I think that really has shown in this situation where it's like, wow, we really do need to rely on you a lot now. Um, the last over the last three games, you got to see him play also against Kevin Durant, which they make that comparison, like you said, and you can see it. I definitely could see it in that game. But there's a huge issue that is happening with Denver's team where MPJ seems to get a lot of buckets in the first couple quarters or the first half. Um, sometimes it's only the first quarter. Sometimes it's the first half. Sometimes it's just one quarter. At, uh, um, but he'll get a bunch of points, right? 19, 21, five of five from three, uh, five of six from three or something. And, um, and then he'll not shoot or touch the ball in the second half. What were you thinking um, about that portion of the game tonight where the starters go to the bench and um, 
there were some minutes there where Michael was, was being, um, was on the court with that secondary unit. And then there was the secondary unit there, the bench unit that I know you have, have lots of hot takes on, but how can Denver like so come to a solution for this? Because it has happened now in that Brooklyn game and the Utah game. And now tonight, even against the Hornets. Well, like you said, the Nuggets came out in the first firing. They were, they were ready to go all guns blazing. And it was the end, I think like two minutes, maybe three minutes in the first left. And Coach Malone put in the bench and he decided to go with Blacko. And oh my God, I have never, everything I've said about Blacko to this point has only been amplified to an extreme level. This man came in the game and I'm watching every move, every step. And the whole time I'm thinking, Holy shit. How is this man in the NBA? This man's almost single-handedly let the Hornets come all the way back from a 21-point lead. He was so got off or knew, knew nowhere where to actually be on the court. He'd get a rebound with no one around him and swing his elbows. Oh, shoot, watch out. There's someone behind you 10 feet away. Fun. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. What, <laughs> who, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Next thing you know, it's, it's a, it's a 10 point game. It's a six point game. And it's, Oh my God. I was like, how long are you going? I think he kept him in till like six or seven minutes in the second quarter. And the whole time I was thinking all that beautiful momentum that you created is ruined almost single-handedly by the worst professional athlete i've ever witnessed so disrespectful the worst professional athlete of all sports and every sport you've ever seen one that i have seen yes it was that bad i'm not even kidding i think that cody zeller saw vlacko in the game and i i think i saw him smile okay it's cody zeller he doesn't normally just smile. I saw a smile, okay? It was like, okay, here we go. We're going to be back in the game real quick. <laughs> it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing, honestly. And I'm not saying that Jokic needed those minutes because I know he needs more rest. But figure something else out go smaller do something anyone but blacko and we would be better off even if that means putting paul Millsap at the five and jamichael at the four michael porter at the four and someone else at the just not him not him it's it it was horrific i oh totally the man didn't know how to even block out cody zeller at all they got so many offensive rebounds in that stretch and once they get going, once you give a team momentum, then they have the momentum. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and Malone let it go on way, 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 way too long. Um, well, we know that. Oof. That's, the, that's the Malone curse. He, He's like, he's not that person who's like a second late. He's like five minutes late. 
Like, come on. You know, that friend of yours when you're like trying to get them to catch on to a joke or catch on to like, don't talk about that or something. And they're like, huh? It takes them a little bit longer and you have to kind of kick them in the knee to really get their attention. That's Malone. He needs to be kicked in the knee first before he's like, oh, maybe this isn't working. Um, Yeah, no, they went down by a lot, but I think it's more a matter of Malone really trying to get them rest than anything. I will say, though, Vladko has seven minutes and one entire rebound, so I don't know what you're talking about. He's amazing. (laughs) He's a minus. I remember the rebound perfectly. Don't worry. (laughs) He's a minus 13 uh, on the night, so I'm sure he wasn't pleased with his uh, output for the evening either. Monte Morris comes back tonight. Um, plays a solid 10 minutes. He did have a minute minutes restriction. He gets five points, two assists, and one rebound in those minutes. So um, a little concerning, right? Black goes out there just a few minutes less than Monte, and Monte's putting up a lot more. But obviously you want you have to play Vladko. You have to play Howard right now. You're having Howard played three minutes and he put up one steal. Let's go. Dude, when they had Baku and Howard in the game. They look so tiny, don't they? I was like, oh, my God. I think this is the smallest backcourt I've seen in my generation. I know, but it's like, why can't – I think we need to expand our minds about it. Like, it does – I know it's always kind of been taller guys, but why not? The NBA now is such a a place of, like, okay, we don't have set roles. We don't have – you can have a seven footer being your point guard. Why not have really versatile or athletic guys out there? Like Howard, he got us some shots up. Fox I didn't. Getting, getting oh, I didn't mind it. him. And I don't, I don't even think he played bad. I don't think he played bad at all. I thought it, they hold their own out there for sure. The problem is, is they were playing the Hornets who are small themselves. Devonte Graham is only six foot. Terry Rozier is not six foot. He's probably 5'11", 5'10". And so they were playing a, a smaller guard team Just with only uh, LaMelo being 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Against other teams, it just wouldn't work because I, I like your idea of broadening the horizons. The thing is, we're in the day and age where everyone is 6'6", six, six or higher, and they could just shoot over him. No, there's definitely some things they're not going to be able to do, right? But look at how frustrating Faku is to some of the greatest ball handlers in this league this season. He's been infuriating out there. Guys are getting all heated. <coughs> Excuse me. Guys are getting all heated. They're, they're really frustrated. Even guys like Steph Curry, who's a phenomenal ball handler. So there is some advantage to having a guy like that if he's going to be able to move his feet right and and really play some really incredible defense i actually had two other um people that worked for the hornets come up to me and say man if that faku guy was like guarding me he'd get on my nerves (laughs) yes oh he absolutely would he i think he totally would he's like kind of like yeah i i mean he he looks frustrating because he really is quicker and faster and even against Kevin Durant the other night, I was like, Kevin Durant, like his dribble is like the entire size of Faku's body, right? Because Durant's so long and lanky. 
And, and so then Faku's, I don't know, but Faku got some steals off of him too. And you're like, you have to give it to him. He has a little, you know, it's a different type of game, but he plays his game and he works it to his advantage. He's been scoring well. He didn't score well tonight. He didn't. Well, he came up big in the fourth. I will say like he hit two big shots. He had multiple deflections that slowed down the Hornets. Like he was a big part in keeping that lead in the fourth. No, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. And there was a, in, in the Nets game as well, there was um, a big shot he had that kind of helped them in that game. He seems to be coming up clutch uh, late in games. I'm surprised how confident, confident I am in him. In fact, there was one tonight where I, uh, he took one late and I thought, Oh, that's definitely going in. And he missed it. And I was like, why did I just believe Faku was going to make this clutch clutch ass shot like wholeheartedly with like not doubt in my mind that's a little concerning I'm getting too trustworthy so um but you know he has been playing pretty good so and it's nice to see that Howard's getting in the game his parents were at the last few home games and cheering him on his dad was chanting for him to get in the game so and that was nice to see him actually get some minutes in play. It's a bummer to see Zeke Naji on the bench, but I got to say, you also got to see Austin Rivers tonight, your boy, your homie, your G. No, Austin Rivers has become literally like a Denver all-time favorite. He has said everything you have to say to basically say, please keep me forever sign me for an forever contract because he like he's like oh yeah I've never even been in an organization like this before I've never seen the team be so selfless it's not about I it's about us like he's saying all kinds of incredible things about their uh culture their locker room their coaching staff Nicola um and Nuggets fans love him and I just want to know after you saw him tonight, did he change your opinion of him or do you, are you still a hater? Well, first thing first, he's never playing really well. I would never say I love Austin Rivers ever, 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 because he's a dookie and he still hit the buzzer beater over UNC. And I just, I can't ever say it ever. I will say he played, had an all-around good game. He played good defense. He took shots when he needed to take shots. Um, he was he was very impressive. And I do think now after seeing him play live that he is maybe a good fit for Denver. And it's nice to have another guard that could go in and get you buckets, but also play some solid defense and – he also was the first guy on the floor multiple times tonight, and that's something I like to see. He seems to definitely bought into this team. So it was a good pickup. I'll admit that. Yeah. He did say that, you know, he's bought into his role. He knows that this is a different situation than other situations he had been in, especially after that Knicks game. He had a big, big game against his former team, the Knicks. It was a nice a little revenge game, right? They let him go at the trade deadline 
waive him and he is out for about a month or so. And then the Nuggets pick him up. And now look, he's an integral part of the team. Now that they have so many injuries, I don't know if he would be if they didn't, but he seems to be really bought in. I haven't seen too much of, there's only been a few times. In fact, his first two games probably where he was kind of just trying to, you know, suss out what is his role? What is, where am I supposed to be? get used to the guys, right? Um, those were his two worst games as far as plus minus goes. And the only two times I really saw him kind of ball hog, you could say, you know, like, quote unquote, or like maybe dribble the ball too much for what the Nuggets style is. But I think he's really figured out their style, meshed really well. Even Shaq Harrison has been awesome too. Um, they called him Shaquille on the Hornets broadcast. And I was like, Shaquille Harrison, who is that? It sounds so different. Like I cannot get used to Shaq and Shaquille being the same name. It's like, it's such a different sound to me. I cannot figure it out. Uh, but so it took me a second to figure out who they were talking about, but he's got great hands. He's been fun to watch. Michael Porter Jr. Though is definitely the story as of late. Um, He's just been phenomenal, and he has stepped up when the team has needed it. I did really like what Aaron Gordon brought to the table today, finally, a little bit on offense, a little bit more spark. Um, moving forward, do you think the Nuggets should rest their players? Do you think Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Jokic should be resting? Because that seemed to be the main topic now that the Nuggets have clinched that top four a home court advantage, top four seed? Um, I'll never say that a, a team should rest their players because, you know, I don't believe in that. But I will say less minutes. I can agree to that. Um, they don't need to be playing 35 minutes. I just think Najee Harrison uh, – not uh, Najee should play – more and get an opportunity other than Blacko. Yeah. Najee's hurt right now, though. That He was out for tonight's game. That's why I think probably he had to go to Blacko. Although, even in recent games, Malone has had the opportunity to go to Zeke, and I don't know if he hasn't because he knew his of, a, of an injury that was kind of lingering or if it's just because he hasn't wanted to. Um, the other hot topic post-game, I mean, the guys basically said, you know, they're not – Nicola said, you know, it's not a pride issue. It's not a pride thing about like playing every game, but he's like, it just, what, what am I going to do? That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And then Michael Porter Jr. was talking about, um, well, if, if Jokic isn't going to sit out, then I'm definitely not sitting out. He hasn't missed a game all year. And actually it's been since 2017, he hasn't missed a game. So it's pretty incredible what Nicola is doing. I do kind of hope that he rests I uh, just because this season has proven over and over and over again, not just in one place, not just on one team, like everywhere, every team seems to ble be bleeding a little bit, be broken a bit. And I, you, you cannot risk the future uh, by, by playing, you know, and I hope he does, if, if he wants to play and needs to play for his own, um, 
desire, his own, you know, commitment to himself and to the game, then I do hope he takes a little bit less minutes because the last thing I would want would be to see him get hurt. And, you know, we've seen a lot of guys get hurt this season. Number one, Jamal Murray. And I know for a fact, and I know for a fact, if Jamal Murray was still playing, he'd also be saying he wasn't going to rest. So this team has like a lot of heart, but also has to realize that it's just a matter of this season being so taxing on the body that, that everyone seems to be going down with injury. You're not concerned at all about, about injury going into this playoffs? Um, not so much Jokic. I think Jokic has figured out a way to keep himself healthy and able to play all these games. And I, the respect I have for him for that is through the roof in saying that this is, this is what he's, you know, paid to do. Yeah. And that's just, we're on this, him and I are on the same page here, <laughs> but less minutes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You and Jokic are the same type of player, the same hardworking type of let's do the same thing every day and we'll be just efficient. Right. So. It's worked out for him. I'd say. Yeah. It's worked out for you too. I'd say. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um. The other hot topic in the post game was MPJ was kind of asked about if he was a hundred percent yet. Um, Monte Morris made a comment like, well, to considering that Mike's not all the way a hundred percent back yet. Um, it's incredible kind of what the numbers he's putting up and, and what he's doing out there, you know, and MPJ, po- you know, heard that post game and was asked kind of, are you not a hundred percent? And he was like, no, you know, like, I think what he was trying to say was I'm a hundred percent right now. He said, I'm a hundred percent right now, meaning, you know, for where he's at, he's healthy. But what he was trying to say was like, and then he said, uh, he said in his own words were along the lines of just that, like, he still believes he's really not reached his peak that since that injury, he's still not a, hundred percent the player he was in fact he named um his senior year in high school as his best year the best basketball he's ever played in his life with that in mind thinking and i mean i know we always kind of think okay he's kind of cocky you know he compares himself to kevin durant and he's never really won anything or proven that to anybody but he's kind of starting to prove that stuff that he's kind of always claimed to be if if that's so that in true that he's not a hundred percent the player he could be will Jamal be the second best player when he comes back I don't know I think to be honest I think he's right I think Michael Porter Jr. is right as in a I think the best basketball he played ever was his senior year I don't know if you watched all of his mixtapes and all of those tapes from them but he was incredible incredible I mean he was supposed to be a top three pick and he slid way way far because he had that serious back injury but Michael Porter Jr. can get even better he can get even better in an all-around game and I even think he could get better offensively even having said how beautifully he was tonight 
Um, that's tough because Michael Porter Jr. has a few things that Mike, that Jamal Murray doesn't. One of those being he's 6'10". And another being he's just he's just pure. Um, and not, not, not a lot of people are just pure in the game of basketball. Pure in um, like a pure shooter, like no, just I don't know how to describe it. Just like has an I don't ever want to say like there's only a few people in this world I can think of that are supposed to be doing exactly what they're doing, as in like an athlete on the court. Mm-hmm. And he's he's supposed to be on the court, and he has the potential to just be amazing, amazing. So I I honestly see where it's coming from. I really do. Well, I mean, he's definitely a fun player to watch. He's definitely a dynamic scorer. He hits some pretty crazy shots, some pretty tough shots. Um, he has been just incredible since this Jamal Murray injury really only had a few games where he struggled his worst game a minus seven plus minus and he still scored 25 points that game so he's still putting up really good numbers even when he's not doing it efficiently or or when he struggles to to do it efficiently against maybe a better defense that game in particular happened to be against the Clippers Um, so better defenders, better wing defenders makes sense, but for the most part, Mike has really stepped up to the plate. He has kind of proven some of us wrong. You know, I criticized him for a long time at the beginning, just because it seemed like he wasn't really dedicated to learning, uh, the scheme and being on board with Denver and the role that he was kind of in at that time. Um, but he did eventually, and he, he really proved that he should be out there and he's proven that every single night now. Um, I don't know if he's going to be the second best scorer or or, or the second best player on the team because he is missing that defensive part of the game. And I think that's a big portion, you know, he is still, there are still games where players are specifically driving at, at him directly because they know they can draw the foul. He'll make a, you know, he'll make a dumb move on defense and it'll be easy to get uh, an and one. And it's no, I, I know he's dedicated to, to working on his defense and I know it's been better. Um, and it was better before he had to take on so much of the offensive load, but there are games where he's just still not cutting to the basket. You know, he's still, or, or even not demanding the ball enough. You know, we, I mentioned earlier, he's not really getting up that many shots in the second quarter. And, and part of it is like, he does have to kind of take over, I think, and he has to demand the ball. And that's kind of the position he's in right now, even though it kind of was thrust upon him out of the blue. I don't think he envisioned having to take on that much responsibility at the start of this season, but he's doing a great job. Um, I feel like all those things though, to bring up again the comparison of Kevin Durant, he had the same issues in Oklahoma City. They said he didn't demand the ball enough from Russ. 
they said he took he took some nights off where or some quarters off where he wasn't shooting the ball enough or cutting enough. And then they also had issues with Durant's defense. Oh, Durant's a great scorer, but he hasn't played defense. Now Durant has a full a full game that he's developed, and I just see that happening for Michael Porter if he stays healthy. Yeah, yeah, and it might just be the same same similar kind of situation where you have James Harden, Durant, you know, a lot of dynamic guys on the same team, and it works for a little while, and you get close, but maybe you can't you don't figure it out. I hope this team is different in the sense that they can actually communicate and be on board with their roles. I do think Jamal Murray's become a better defender. uh, And he still is a guy that you can rely on a lot more than, than I think you feel like you can with MPJ, especially in big moments. Right. And a hundred percent, but the biggest difference in that OKC team to this Denver team with the three stars is the leader of this Denver team is Nikola Jokic, the most unselfish guy you can have leading a team. OKC had three egos, big egos. <laughs> um, not like not like this Denver team. I really think it could <coughs> it could work out with these three stars. And I I just think when Jamal comes back next season, this team could be scary. When the three of them are healthy. I think this team is a legit title contender to win a championship. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is going to be fun to watch and it's kind of just like almost sad for me to think about it because I felt like it was supposed to be now, you know, it was supposed to be, we were supposed to be seeing that now. And instead we're not getting a full glimpse of that because of this Jamal Murray injury. And it still hurts, Rye. Like I'm still mourning this loss. Okay. So I I am happy for MPJ, but at the same time, I can't think about it too much. The Nuggets do go ahead and clinch home court advantage, I believe for the third season in a row. Um, All right. So right now you have, Utah is the one, Denver's the four, Portland is the five. Um, I'm just going down the bracket. We And then you have Memphis, San Antonio is the nine, 10. Those, whoever wins Memphis, San Antonio would play whoever loses from Lakers, Golden State. And whoever won that game would then play against Utah. So the playing games right now include the Lakers. I'm ecstatic about it. On the East Coast, you have Washington and Indiana um, in the play-in tournament right now. And with the Bulls' lost tonight, I believe your Charlotte Hornets are also in that 8-7 seed. Um, what's Charlotte's desire? Where, where do they want to end this season, and what do they have to do to get there? Um, okay, they did get a – with the Bulls' loss, it was a, they're guaranteed in the play-in. Um, right now it's a battle for the eight or the nine, which is a huge, huge difference because you want to be the eight. You don't want to face Washington right now. They figured a lot out with Beal possibly coming back for the play-in. That's a scary, scary, scary team. That I don't think anyone in the East really wants to go up against, especially the Hornets. Cause I think Russ would eat us alive. Um, 
So basically the goal right now is to play anyone but Washington. Yeah. Um, Especially with the Celtics, with Jalen being out, Jalen Brown being out now for the rest of the season. I don't mind that matchup. Indiana, I'll take that matchup all day. Um, The biggest thing is I think they have a shot at um, winning the play in as long as it's not Washington. Yeah. Well, if it is against the Celtics, um, the winner would go on to play against Brooklyn. Um, if they lose that game, they still could win the next game uh, against whoever was the winner of Indiana, Washington, and they would then play against Philadelphia. So are you rooting for them to play against Philly in the first round or, or Brooklyn? Uh, that's tough. Um, yeah, either way you're out. But I, Yeah, I mean – I don't think they're going to beat any of those teams, but um, as in Brooklyn or the Sixers, but if I'm choosing a series where I think they could get a win, I would probably take uh, the Sixers. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a more complicated road there, right? Because they'd have to lose to Boston and then also win against uh, whoever was the winner of Indiana against Washington. So they potentially have to face Washington if they want to get that. Yeah, it's a it's a tough it's a tough road. But to like I said in the previous podcast, um, the Hornets should be so happy with the season they've had. Um, no one expected them to get into the playoffs. Um, and they have a great young core that, that can gain experience now. So, you know, I, I think if I'm a – well, I guess I am a Hornets fan. I'm a Hornets fan. Um, you you got to be happy. And I will say that LaMelo Ball, since he's come back from his wrist injury, just has not been the same. Um, he's constantly in pregame, during the game, on the bench. He's – messing with that wrist I don't know if it's if it's healthy or not um they they put heat on it as soon as he comes out of the game he always seems to be holding it I I don't know he's just been acting weird too like off the court um I don't know a couple of sources say he's been just speeding out of the garage and not talking as much in practice and wow I don't know LaMelo Ball seems a little off so I wouldn't mind if he got extra rest and did whatever he needed to do for that wrist to heal. So, yeah. Well, I will say that technical foul on him today was so weird. Um, he basically like the ref kind of like caught him uh, midair or whatever. And then, but then he like the ref held on to his like abdomen for like a bit too long. Like just, it was just like a moment too long, you know, as you watch the replay, you're like, okay, let go. And he didn't. And I was kind of like, uh, so LaMelo then took his hand and like removed uh, the ref's hand from his waist. Uh, It did look pretty like, uh, I don't know what the word would be. Like, it was like a jerk, like reaction. Like he really removed his hand in a, in a, like a jerky kind of way, like a swift motion, we'll say. But um, you should watch that replay because it was kind of weird. And I just, I, I definitely didn't think it should have been a technical on LaMelo. I thought, like, why is this ref's hand on a player? You know, like, they probably should. No, yeah. 
I, I saw it and I thought it was weird too. One thing I will add that actually contradicts one of your statements before in a previous podcast is Nikola Jokic is getting MVP calls. There's several times tonight yeah. where they said Hornets ball or wasn't a foul or whatever, and it got reversed after Jokic looked at him and threw his hands up multiple, multiple times. They were definitely, and he has been getting more uh, better calls recently, um, especially since uh, like in games where like there's no Aaron Gordon, there's no Paul Millsap, right? Like it's really obvious just how thin the Nuggets uh, kind of benches and staff is right now because of injuries. I do think he's gotten a lot of more calls. So I'm sure, but there was definitely a time in, in, in the beginning of this season, right? Where he was getting called. In like, the beginning of the season, but he's definitely getting him now. Too. It pissed off Hornets Nation, let me tell you. They started booing Jokic at the free throw line. They were pissed. The, they wanted the yelling at the refs was insane. It was from all the smoke. It was just it. I saw I saw the MVP favorism. I'm not against it. He's earned it, but he's getting it. He's getting it now. Finally, uh, on the west side of this bracket, um, you have. Memphis, San Antonio, 9-10, right? So it, whoever wins that one still has to play another game. And uh, they would have to play against whoever loses Lakers-Golden State. Right now, the Warriors are playing pretty great basketball. Steph Curry's shooting great. Um, the Suns were playing against the Warriors, actually, when you told me you are ready to, to pod. And it was a really close game. It was within 10 points. And it, I mean, a fun game to watch, even got a little bit heated between uh, Juan Toscano Anderson and uh, Devin Booker. It's now 103-101 in the fourth quarter. Oh my God. So good game there. I know that Golden, and that's your number two seed, right? Like Phoenix is a good team. So for Golden State to be keeping up with them um, just shows what a good team they, they really have become. Um, they do you think Golden State wins that one or LA wins that that one to go on against Phoenix in the first round? What's your prediction? They say never never bet against LeBron, but I genuinely think this Lakers team is terrible and has been playing terrible. Yeah. And I really think Golden State could knock them in that that first play in game. Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing. I could totally see that happening too. I think that Golden State wins that game against the Lakers because Steph Curry is so electric and he can really just light guys up. I think he'll get the best of the Lakers in a one, you know, in a one game um, matchup. I think he wins that game, but the loser still gets another chance. The loser plays wins from Memphis, San Antonio. And you know, that's going to be the Lakers winning that game, whoever, whether it's San Antonio or Memphis, who comes out of it, I think it'll be Memphis because San Antonio hasn't looked good for a while now. And you're going to have Memphis Lakers and the Lakers are going to win there. They'll move on to play Utah in the first round. I love that. I love that matchup. I think, um, I don't even know who I would cheer for in that matchup. I guess the I was about to say, (laughs) all I know is tides have turned for LeBron and I've never seen so many people want to see him fail. (laughs) 
Well, even if that's the case, though, I don't know if I want to see him fail more than I want to see Rudy Gobert fail or, you know, it's just it's you. Come on. You don't want to see another L.A. team win. No, it's come on. It would be so great to see LeBron lose. No, for that reason, I do. I also know that like anyone who's in the like sport of in the business of basketball does not want to see the Lakers lose to the <laughs> to the Jazz in the first round because it's not good for ratings. We know, we know, we know. But small market team, I would cheer for the Jazz just because they are another one of our small market brothers, and we need to unite and demand our our time and you know in the public eye. So. I, I guess I'd go for Utah in that matchup, the lesser of two evils. Um, but I don't even know if I think Utah wins that matchup, if I'm being honest, you know. Like, oh, come on. I think this is the first time ever that we are starting to see the decline of LeBron. He said himself he doesn't think he'll ever be 100% again. And his game, the games he came back and played, showed it and I don't know if he's bluffing or not but I really don't I don't even think that series goes seven games I think the I think the Utah Jazz win in either six or five wow wow that's a lot of confidence in Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz especially because both those teams are such good defenses it's not just that um, they have like good players or good offense, but they do. They both have electric shooters too, dynamic shooters. Clarkson's been phenomenal, but they they also have two really good defenses. You know, that's the one thing I think Frank Vogel actually knows what he's talking about is on defense. Because sometimes, man, he's mic'd up. I cannot tell you what he's actually like. He'll be saying the most generic stuff to these guys in the huddle, but. That would put, as of right now, it would put L.A. against Dallas, Denver against Portland. Um, are you preferring Portland or Dallas? In the Definitely first- Portland. You don't want to play Luca. You know how my stance on him. You want to play Portland. Portland I- all around, we're better than Portland. Yeah, but, De- but Jokic dominates – Porzingis like he plays great against Porzingis where um against Nurkic who was his teammate and knows his style a little bit you know and and his canter has given him trouble in the past as well I I just think we're so much better than Portland I really do and I just I just think Luca I know people have disagreed with me when I said he's clutch and dominant just his highlights have made ESPN but that man just is a winner, and I don't want to. I don't want to go down to the clutch with him. And I know Damian Lillard's on the other team. I, I'm aware, and he is the most clutch player in the NBA. But I don't think they would get close enough to allow it. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't know, man. I honestly think that like. Dallas might be a better matchup. Although I love the rivalry between Denver and Portland. I love that they've seen each other in recent um, playoff history. And, you know, they got the better of Denver last time. So it it could be fun to see, you know, Denver go up against them again and, 
and dominate them. And you got to love a series with Dame in it because you never know what's going to happen then. But you do have to have to wish that Jamal Murray was there. You know, you feel a little bit more comfortable if Jamal was here. So we'll have to see. I think uh, Denver fans, much like Charlotte Hornet fans, have to just be happy with the fact that they're still like an actually good playoff team with how many injuries they've really sustained. It's kind of been incredible. I did not think it could get much worse. And every time I say that it gets worse. So uh, knock on wood, everybody like say your prayers. I don't know, you know, ask or talk to mother earth, whatever you do, but please no more nuggets injuries because it's just, it's too much. There's been way too many injuries. And um, that's why they should rest. We're almost there. We're almost there. It's going to be a fun play-in tournament, though. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Riley, any closing thoughts on your Denver Nuggets and Charlotte Hornets? Um, I mean, you, you, you closed it well. These teams struggled with the injury, but... They got hearts, and there's nothing more I respect in the game of basketball than heart. And so they both got my respect more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a great season for Nikola Jokic as well. Um, It might be the greatest season we see from him. I don't think so. I still think there's a little bit more in the tank for Nikola, and, and I can't wait to see him in this playoffs as well. And in the next playoffs where Jamal's by his side, you know, that's going to be great to see too, but it seems like him and Michael Porter have really been able to get a, build a good relationship. And it sounds like they're on the same page when it comes to resting. Mike said, he's not going to even think about it if Jokic isn't thinking about it. So um, I like that they've kind of built that camaraderie and that uh, agreement. And I think it's a, it's a cultural thing for the whole team. So you got to love the heart. You're right. Um, and I just really feel like we're free falling to the end here. You know, like everyone's just holding their breath, like, whoo, we got to get here to this little break. So we will be back next week with another episode of the chicken nuggets podcast on Denver stiffs network. You can also check out other episodes of the chicken nuggets where I interview big names, player, not players like actual NBA athletes, but people who talk about the NBA, people who write about the NBA. Um, my interview with Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report was really cool. There was a lot of back uh, behind the scenes kind of secretive info that not everybody knew first time stories that Jake has experienced in this era of tanking and how he's covered that over the last few years next week we will be reviewing those next few games against minnesota and detroit and portland and then we'll be really talking about what does the playoff matchup look like now by that time we'll finally know exactly who will be matched up against and we'll get to kind of dig deeper into that analysis so tune in next week for another great episode thanks for listening guys to the chicken nuggets podcast and follow Riley at Riley Biller and me at Vita Viva Diva.